Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letizia. with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of In That Number, a jam-packed one today. This is episode 169. 169, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Um, today, uh, two games to go through. we got Wednesday's trip to Bournemouth. Uh, relief was we finally picked up a win and a clean sheet. How that has helped Ralph. Uh, and Sunday's home draw with Arsenal, an expected loss. Uh, but credit to Ralph and all the coaching staff. He's had to deal with injuries, mounting pressure he's under. Uh, he's come up trumps and we're as happy as pigs and shit. Need to enjoy this while it lasts, though, don't we? Because um, it, it might not last for long. Uh, joining me today to celebrate, we have the Moscow Mush, Kevin Milberton and Tim Bazant. Firstly, Kevin, uh, who is is sitting right next to me. I'm touching him, actually, right now. Um, glad to have you back, Kevin. It's an honour to be chatting in person oh thanks i'm touched quite literally um <laughs> yeah yeah good to be here it was uh, a long journey but yeah, finally here yeah how did uh how was the, the the flight and and everything um yeah it was it was tiring but uh yeah uh helsinki's nice this time of year mm. yes i need to go to helsinki it was one of those ones that i wanted to go to i've been to finland but never helsinki but yeah and tim Tim, how are you this week? Uh, doing really well. Uh, honestly, the Saints results the last three games have genuinely cheered me up. Uh, for very strenuous when it comes to packing up, moving, selling a house, trying to close a job, start a new one, and 
do it all in the space of a month. Have you have you got any place to live yet? Uh, we are lucky that uh, Chicago is home to both my wife and I, and so there is family all over uh, the area. So whether it be in the city or close up, re- close reaching suburbs to the far suburbs, and for us, as I start my new role. Uh, we there had just happened to be the town that one of uh, my wife's family members lives in, and it would allow us to crash completely crash there for free, as we sell the place and not have to spend a rent and or rent or have two mortgages at the same time. Perfect. Good stuff. Kevin, uh, I'll come to you. Uh, I've asked you for the last few weeks mm. about Ralph and about the situation that he's he's in and, and the club. Um, and what, what this week has done for him, it's done in the world of good, right? And definitely changed for the better for him. Not under pressure anymore? Um, I mean, he's always going to be under pressure, I think. But, yeah, four points from those two games, crucial. Um, and think, even the point against West Ham as well. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I think, you know, we're on, a, we're on a bit of a roll. We're not on a losing streak anymore. I think, you know, the, the more points we pick up, the less pressure there'll be on Ralph and... Um, I think he's won himself definitely enough time to the end of the year anyway. Yeah, now now we're, we're looking at three undefeated. <laughs> That's um. Southampton in Europa. <laughs> Here we go again. Yes, if you would like to show your support to the show, uh, then head to Buy Me A Coffee. Uh, that's buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. You can also become an official member. Right. OK, so a win against Bournemouth, a clean sheet, by all means, not a pretty win. Um, and I said last week that, you know, I take a win. It doesn't matter how we take it, how it doesn't have to be pretty. And that's exactly what we got, Kev. And we we did, yeah. It had the feel of the, the same sort of feel as that West Ham game for me, because, you know, we score and then we sit back, surrender the lead. Um, but this one was more successful. <laughs> we got a win. And a clean sheet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Tim, Arsenal. Uh what a delight uh, it turned out to be in the end. And, you know, I guess after the Bournemouth win, I was hoping we'd take some confidence and, you know, just go and give Arsenal a game and, well, a match. Um, and we definitely did that. Yeah, absolutely. From a from a top-down approach, seeing the last three games, if you saw at the beginning of the season and looked at the lineup, uh, three games in eight days, uh, a result in all three of them, home against West Ham, who are currently in Europe right now playing uh, away to Bournemouth, so midweek, so the travel wasn't extensive. Getting away, getting that chirpy or the chippy win, uh, the 1-0 win, which is what was necessary, getting ourselves going. And if it wasn't pretty, uh, it helped us out with confidence. And so it's just kind of a build on. And then playing Arsenal at home, 1-1 draw, once again, another result. And fantastic as they're currently top of the league, been in great form, also in Europe and playing well, uh, beat PSV Eindhoven from a, from a Xhaka goal, 1-0 win. And all in all, like I said, if you feel like you could say you could take a result from these three games, I feel confident in our 15th place current matchup in the table. And right now, uh, things are much better on a personal and a, and overall with the team level. Yes, that's the perfect way to do it. Um, right, guys, ITN News, not a lot to go through, but we have to have to clean up a little bit. This is ITN in that number news. Okay then, ITN news. Uh, Tim, I'll start with you because there's another injury that we need to to go over, and this is a huge one. Kyle Walker-Peters, hamstring injury. Um, we're, we're very short on options at right back. I mean, I mean, you could see the Arsenal game for that. We had to put Lianco up there to start with, and you know, moving forward, we we got Maitland-Niles who, who can play there, of course, but um. This is going to be a major blow for Kyle Walker-Peters, uh, his World Cup hopes. Yeah, I know he was a, he has an outside chance going to the World Cup itself. So, to, I mean, with all the right backs. Being the right back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that and the Reese James injury, too. So when you think next man up, uh, he was one of the potential ones for it. And <laughs> taking four right backs is common. And Ben Ben White's made more or more recent appearance than Walker Peters, and he's currently in that right back right back spot for Arsenal. Uh, so to me, though, seeing the hamstring injury, um, they haven't mentioned the timeline itself. 
So whether it might be a grade one or a grade two, but I don't think it's a grade three where it says, you know, that can last up between two and three months. Uh, so to me, I don't think he'll come back even before the uh, World Cup break, which is in about three weeks now. That'll extend to four weeks. He'll get back into a recovery, be back for 100% going into the December uh, fixtures right after unboxing uh, day. Ralph, he commented on the injury. Um, he said, we will see how long he is out. Um, he said, there's a lot of blood um, and there's a tendon involved. Uh, we don't know it yet, but it was a lot. It was a long step that he made to the ball and he tried to make the save. Um, that was the moment when the injury came. So it was a block. He was like lunging and yeah, just an instant. So when you have a hamstring injury that involves the tendon itself, uh, the tendon requires significantly more blood flow for the recovery process. So that to me screams that it is a grade two tear. So they're going to have slight tears within the, within the muscle tendon issues that are going to need to for further recovery. Look for that uh, static uh, therapy if you've ever taken a look at and seen uh, what looks like an EKG machine just on the muscle itself where it's going to stimulate and try to push blood flow for the recovery. Um, it, you're talking about tendon. I don't expect him until back for the for after the World Cup then. Shit. Oh, good job. We've got a nice backup right back, isn't it? Kevin, Technically, this isn't our news, but I'm going to ask your opinion on it anyway, because it's something that, that came up my flagpole. Steven Gerrard, he's out of a job at Villa, right? Um, how did we lose to Villa, by the way? How did that happen? It's just, yeah. And Pochettino, bookie's favourite to replace him. What do you make of that? Um, that's a turn out for the books, isn't it? I mean, I think that a lot of um, Saints fans were pushing Ralph out and uh, Poch in. I was one of them. Even now? Yeah, of course. I don't know. I mean, there, I mean, there was the argument that maybe we don't have the money, but I mean, I don't believe that. I think we, we definitely have enough money to attract a, a manager of Botch's calibre. But uh, yeah, if, if Villa can do it, then I don't see why we couldn't do it. Well, he might not get that chance now. I don't think so, no. But if he doesn't last long at Villa... <laughs> well, if he can't prove himself at Villa, then he can't prove himself at all as a manager. If he, if he doesn't do well at Villa, then I don't want him back. <laughs> But um, to be honest, I don't think they're going to take him back anyway. It's, ne it's never going to happen. It's just a it's just a pipe dream for, for me. I just uh, I, I just remember how great it was under Pochettino and how how happy that the whole city was around him and Cumin as well. That that that's kind of like the best era that we've had in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, I maybe includes that as an extension of Adkins's um, tenure as manager. Mm. Because, you know, we were flying high. I mean, OK, yeah, League League One and the Championship. But then he brought us into the Premier League. We were just about keeping our head above water. And I was absolutely fuming when he was sacked. Mm. Some unheard of. You were with Pjol as well, though. Um, <laughs> not fuming. I was just disappointed. Um, but, I mean, with Pjol, we saw it coming because the fans were just, you know, really not pleased with the quality of the football that they, they were Pain to watch week in, week out. Subjected to, yeah. Yeah, but with Pochi, he was a complete unheard of, um, as a manager anyway. And, um, yeah, when he came in, it didn't take long for him to, to prove himself, I think, and for us to realise, like, we've got a really exciting group of players with a really exciting manager. And it was just a, yeah, it was an exciting time to be a, a Saints fan. Yeah, um, I, want that, I want that time back. More so under Poch than under Koeman. Uh, just because there, there were frustrations with Koeman as well, that he really didn't like to bring in the, the youngsters. That, sure. that pissed off a lot of fans. But with um, with Poch, there was no bad blood at all. And plus he left for Spurs and Koeman left for Everton. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Um, why would you do that? <laughs> God, I mean, it seems like such a long time ago for us as Saints fans, but it doesn't seem that long ago that he was Spurs manager. He was there for a while, though, wasn't he? And then he's been to uh, Paris Saint-Germain afterwards. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we, we, we digress. Um, being at Villa, I don't like it, but I don't think that will happen anyway. Um, Loney's, uh, just a few to go over. Nathan Teller is scoring again, guys. Yeah, um, he scored in Burnley's 4-2 win at the Stadium of Shite. Um, six goals on the season. That's six. Um, and Jay Rodriguez is top scoring for them on seven. So the Saints boys are tearing it up. 
Sorry, hang on. Sunderland are in the championship. No, that can't be right. <laughs> yes, they are. No, they're, 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 they're doomed to stay in League One. No, they got out of League One. They, no, they got no, promoted no, last season. Them, them and Bumpy forever in <laughs> League One. Because you have me questioning that, then I thought, shit, no, they're in League One, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I thought, how did they? Did I? Did League I? One till I die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, yeah, it's good to see Jan Bednarek having a great season at Villa as well. They suffered a 3 0 loss to Fulham on Thursday, and um, he got subbed off at the break. and... Got his manager sacked, so yeah, good, good stuff. Brett Ormerod, his birthday was on Tuesday, Tuesday the 18th. How old is Brett Ormerod? 44. Very good guess, Tim. He's 46. Ooh, I win. How did that happen? How did Brett Ormerod become 46? That's, that's crazy. The same reason we get older. Yeah, I, I know, I get it, I get it, but it's just, it doesn't seem right. It's um, Yeah, it doesn't seem that long ago that he was playing for us, but to think that he's nearly, he's pushing 50, mm. it's, it's crazy. Ugh. Yeah. B team, Papa John's Trophy, um, a spirited 2-1 loss to League Two's Newport County. Um, Sam Bellis with the goal. Um, yeah, so they played yesterday and they lost 3-2 to Newcastle. Um, and that was at Whiteley Park. Uh, and the goals were Don Ballard. Scored his sixth goal in seven Premier League Two games. So he's he's still on fire. Still a fucking baller. He is. Yeah, he's doing it. Um but yeah, they lost. Uh, I think they let their, the third Newcastle goal was in the 80th minute and it was a free kick. So, yeah, disappointing because they're having a very good season. The women, they played Sunday afternoon at Bramall Lane um, against Sheffield United. A 1-0 win um, and Ella Pusey got the goal for Saints in the ninth minute. So, yeah, very good stuff for the for the women. Quick item on Nathan Teller. At, with five goals and 12 matches, I think he's primed to be sold back to Burnley as they get promoted. If you've been watching uh, Burnley themselves, they don't look like Burnley. They've got a complete They've got fluid, company. They haven't got Sean yeah, Dodge. That's why. Uh, yeah, completely different what you'd think of as uh, Brexit ball or whatever the you know long ball long ball four four two. It isn't like that anymore. Complete fluidity. He fits in extremely well in that attacking three and a four two three one. Um, I think because of all the people that we signed over the off season uh, this past uh, summer window, uh, I think he'll be sold back to him. I think it's going to be like a, a seven million dollar signing, and he's going to not do as well as he has been doing in the cha- uh, for the next year, but will be a decent signing as company brings them up. He, he had, they have to be the, one of the favorites to be uh, sure. automatically promoted. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's a transfer that I could see happening, but if he's doing that well, I would like to give him another chance uh, in the first team for us and see how he does. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're short of goals, definitely. Yeah, Adozi is his equivalent. And so with 18, 19 years old, they've invested so, um, money in him. I think they're going to try and get get the money just like they did with Sam Gallagher selling to Blackburn um, or Harrison Reed selling to Fulham at the time. Uh, just that right around that five, seven, eight million dollar mark and go from there. You just said dollar. Force of habit. <laughs> um, incidentally, the women's championship—they uh, are third, Kev, um, and they're on eleven points. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so they're pushing their way up the table. They are doing very well. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're undefeated in five now. So good stuff. Well done, ladies. Okay. So now Bournemouth. Then massive, massive game. Bournemouth. It, it had that must-win feel. I mean, you said after the West Ham game that, that you know we, we Ralph needs to be really, really concentrating on on that Bournemouth one. That's the more pressing issue, really. Um, so we went into the relegation zone going in and, you know, desperate, desperate for a win. Pressure on so much or pressure on still. Um, and as Tim mentioned in his preview last week, Bournemouth unbeaten since that 9-0 loss uh, and Scott Parker's exit. Um, so it was going to be a difficult one, but I think we held out. <laughs> I say we held out quite well. We got the job done. We did what we had to do. It wasn't pretty. It was ugly, but three points, clean sheet, job done. Uh one enforced change uh, from the point against West Ham then. It was uh, Duya Chaleta Tsar uh, in for the injured Armel Belakotchap. Um, Theo Walcott also recalled to the bench. Um, and given the point against West Ham, Kev, you can't really blame Ralph for sticking with what worked. What somewhat worked anyway. Yeah, most definitely. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Belakotchap out and um, Chaleta in. Yeah, and everyone else is there on mirror. Happy with it then. Yeah. Tim, the, the set the setup against uh, Bournemouth, it was pretty much the same fashion as it was in the West Ham game. Yeah, uh, they went with the, you know, the, the normal lineup. Uh, they felt that they could be a little bit more attacking and, 
you know, they had actual, you know, three, two actual fullbacks who were able to start and it looked good. Um, I think that we matched up really well with them. I think there was consistency throughout the game, albeit uh, not the best overall, but getting that grinded out when necessary to build that steam ahead to what was the Arsenal game and one of the best games that we've played so far this season. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. Kev, the, the, an early goal for us um, inside the opening 10 minutes and good work from, from Shay Adams and well, good work from Elianusi as well. And a pinpoint cross from my man, Raymond Perro. Uh, you know, he leads the team in assists now with two. <laughs> yeah, but um, a lovely finish from from Shay, and I, I just love those kind of headers. It was just you made it look effortless. Just floated into the corner. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, and beautiful hold up play from Ali Nusi as well. He's um he's been really strong on the ball towards towards well, more recently anyway. But yeah, a, a beautifully timed cross from Perot. Um, it's just a fantastic goal. You know, first goal within ten minutes. You think you know, we can make a really Good day out of this, but uh, <laughs> it turns out it was a bit more edgy than that. Yeah, and as you say that, um, Tim, that, that brings me to to this next point. We score, we concede possession, we sit back. Is this our new identity, or is Ralph doing what he needs to do just to survive? Well, he didn't know how to actually react to a, a ninth minute or a ten minute, ten minute goal. Uh, you know, we haven't done that no. where we no, we he didn't know what he was. I don't know if he was scared or he was taking a look at 18 it minutes said, of sitting what, back. How do we do this? What the hell do I do right now? We're yeah, up one zero. We have, yeah. you know, we are, you know, matched up really well against them. This is I don't know if he played scared, but he just didn't know he was baffled by it. Uh, which overall, I think to me was a good thing because he grinded it out and he got what was necessary. Uh, I think most of us looking into the second half with the subs to bring in Lianco uh, and then with the injury to Kyle Walker-Peters, um, bringing in Stuart Armstrong, you know, what was the shakeup a little bit going on? Uh, Lianco then solidified more of a right, you know, more in that right back role. And we didn't know who was the right wing back in going in through, through the rest of the game. I think they didn't know how to play with it. So <laughs> same with the over- Arsenal game as well. We didn't know we were going to start there. Yeah, but that actually worked out really well. And um, I, I that will go into the Arsenal game in a bit. But to me, uh, this was what was necessary. Getting ourselves going, get ourselves started. Momentum is actually a huge thing. And I, I'm just happy that we were able to get some kind of result. And overall, I, I mean, take a, you take a 1-0 win, you walk away. And unfortunately, you lost Kyle Walker-Peters with an injury, which you don't want to happen. But take it, run with it, and go from there. Yeah, and Kev, on, the, on this back-to-the-wall defending that I seem to have so many problems with, um, Ralph's insisted that it's necessary. I mean, he said that Real Madrid did it last year when they won the Champions League, so why shouldn't we? Um, We're not Real Madrid. It's <laughs> really had the feel of a Champions League final at um, <laughs> Dean Court. It's really got the feel of a Champions League final. Yeah, all 12,000 of them all singing loud and proud. Yeah, but this is what I'm getting at, Tim. Is this what our new identity is now? Because the the pressing doesn't seem to happen. It seems like that Ralph wants to go out, get an early goal, and then just get men behind the ball. And in doing that, it kind of opens up the midfield. Because we saw that against West Ham. We saw Declan Rice a lot of time. We saw it again in the Bournemouth game. And we definitely saw it with Odegaard and, and, and Granite Xhaka. It just seems like that... He's not pressing as much. He's getting men behind the ball and well, getting that early goal and then doing that. And if he's saying that, well, if Real Madrid can do it, then why can't we? Yeah, I thought it was funny that he compared ourselves to Real, Real Madrid, but uh, I, I think you want to. We're not we're not Ralph in this situation, but and you think is this our new identity? Three games in eight days. I felt that he was more, maybe more conservative, trying to prevent what is the injury, knowing that he might not rotate going into the Arsenal game. And ultimately, Walker Peters went out with the injury. And I felt that while he might have had the same strategy with West Ham that he did with Bournemouth, Bournemouth didn't have that creativity in their midfield or in that attacking presence. Uh, with only a couple chances that we can think of, uh, including that Solanke hit that Bazunu put beautifully over the mm-hmm. goal. Uh, so to me, I think he played the odds. And with West Ham, they were able to get that extra goal because of Declan Rice. 
but because it was Bournemouth, they didn't get that extra presence. So to me, Ooh, I'm going to take that as <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to take that as with three with three games in eight days, he played more of a less pressing going on specifically because of that uh, uh, because of that lineup and and what could was a a tough you know a tough three games in a row because of the time frame. Yeah, and, and Kev, there wasn't really. Wow, there wasn't really a lot of chances. There were like half chances, weren't there? It wasn't really a, a testing out the goalkeeper sort of game. And I think there was a chance that uh, Arebo had. He slid in and, you know, just just missed out on it. But other than that, we didn't really have any any real chances of note. No, I mean, yeah, but nine shots throughout the game. Is it really? Yeah, three on target. Any of the three that were on goal. There was an altercation as well with Chris Metham and um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, which um, which made me laugh. David and Goliath. Yeah, Metham with his, you know, it was a nasty late challenge on Maitland-Niles after the ball went out. I mean, he stands up to him and, uh, yeah, all five foot ten of him against Metham's six foot three. And <laughs> that was quite funny, but they both picked up bookings for that. Yeah, I mean... He was right. I mean, it wasn't the first time that he'd lunged him like that. And, uh, yeah, just decided to kick off. I'm not surprised he, he reacted like that, to be honest. Yellow card, he just... Seems fair. Yeah. Um, overall, though, Tim, a pleasing first half, because both teams looked like they had goals in them, and both teams looked quite vulnerable against the attack as well. So it looked quite open. Yeah, they, they matched up well, whether it was necessarily the best matchups and the best creativity going forward. I will take it, and I, I like Maitland-Niles getting chippy there. Uh, ideally, you don't want him to get a yellow card, but he, he took it, he ran with it, and he stood up for the team. So thank you for having a fight as a lone player who might have just you know, kicked it in, but he's getting his chance at center mid where that's what he wants to play at. Um, I have a feeling he his... won't be playing there next week. <laughs> You, you don't know. I mean, he might be. He's playing. The, the, who is, is it going to be Diallo or is it going to be Maitland Niles? Uh, don't I don't know. I don't know what to think about. But I would like him in that right wing back slot if he could. I don't know if he's going to be that right right back cover if he that's what his you know his traditional position has been. Uh, we'll take it. Uh, whatever whatever it can be though. Yeah, and, and Kev, I don't know if you've got any of the the half time stats, but I've um I wrote, I wrote some down. Um, 53% possession at halftime. Not bad. Three shots to their six. This is at the halftime, obviously. And um, two of ours on target to their one. But our passing, our passing was so much better than it has been in recent weeks. That's let us down. It was up to 85% at half, which which is great. I, I was pleased considering that we, you know, we, we almost shared that possession. But it was almost as if we were playing with a little bit more confidence that we were the, you know, we were the favourites. And yeah, it just seemed to it seemed to work. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think Bournemouth really offered too much in terms of attack. Um, some wild shots. Well, yeah, some very wild shots. I mean, yeah, nine of them in the second half, but um, yeah, only one on on target. So yeah, really limited them quite well. I mean, I'm always fearful when we we sit back like we have <laughs> been doing the last last few weeks because you know that something's gonna crack. But uh, they held out and. Uh, yeah, fair play. There was a, a free header just after the break that um, I can't remember who it was. Was it Agatha Christie? I don't know. <laughs> What's his name? Ryan Christie. Ryan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, old problems resurfacing again, because on another day, that was 1-1. It was just a clear header from a corner. Mm. I think it was Sinisi, wasn't it, Tim? Yes, indeed it was. Tim, what do you think that Ralph says at half time? Because, <laughs> because it's not working. It's like you... Still struggles with his game, his in-game management for me, and he's just too conservative because he he's just allowing this pressure and seems skittish in his approach. I don't know. What do you think he says? Well, I'm gonna put my grumpy Aust- Austrian hat on. Oh, and please thanks. do. Thanks, and he's and he's like just you know get in there, kick some ass, uh, and just keep doing it. Whether or not that's actually um, what he, you know, what is truly necessary that you get the traditional, the hype, uh, the traditional movement and know that everybody's got the fight in them. Everybody's it, buying in for the team, whether or not it's Ralph's motivation, which I don't think it is. I think it's the team and I think they do work together pretty well. Um, so I think he's trying to build off that team based harmonious relationship and know that the talent will come through and hope it does. 
because he believes in the team. He does believe that they're generally uh, have the talent and he, they can make it work and they can hold and ultimately hold on for the goal or hold on for the win and push forward onto the next the next week or the next game. Yeah, and it was pretty much all Bournemouth then, wasn't it? And O'Neill changed things up and, um, to push for that breakthrough. Um, Christie comes off, Stanislas comes on, and Ralph decides to respond by taking Arubo off and bringing Lianko on. So shoring things up a little bit there, Kev. But there was something that I wanted to talk to you about. The, the penalty claim for Bournemouth. Um, Salisu, handball. It certainly looked like one to me. Uh, I think, it, well, I mean, what what... What is a handball? His um, hands were in an unnatural position, and it's hit him. Well, I mean, I think he was um, surging forward, and he was falling down at that point. I doesn't mean, say that in the rules, though, does it? Um, his arms are there, so they're going to break his fall, and it's at such short, short range. Do you not think we've seen them given before, though? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think Bournemouth were a little hard done by that. And I, I find it strange that no one else has really said that, yeah, that's a penalty. What about Bournemouth fans? I haven't listened to the Bournemouth fans. I don't want to listen to the Bournemouth <laughs> fans, but like pundits are like, they're not saying anything about that, that, that it was a it was a penalty. Tim, where do you, what did you think? Do you think that was a penalty or not? Two elements that did not lead to a penalty uh, to me was the call on the field. And I feel that the ref and the second part is the ref's interpretation as proximity to the, uh, to the ball. He felt that, Salisu did not have the ability to adjust his hand position because he was too close. And that was him pushing forward. And so, uh, you know, Kev, great point. I don't, I don't think they called it and they didn't, and VAR did not uh, overrule the justifications of what the ref on the field was. And uh, it's a touchy call. Uh, to me, I feel there are two automatic calls that should be a handball number one is the the arm the ball hits the arm above the shoulder or at you know when their arm is raised up and secondly is when it when it affects the ability for the shot on the goal and it does fall into that second category but did the proximity overrule it that's what the ref saw and to me uh, we got lucky I'll just take it as pure luck. Yeah. And we've got we got the call for us. And uh, I mean, we don't want to, you know, let's just move on and don't bring it up and, you know, keep talking about it. Let's just say that's oh, good. We'll take it and run. What was quite pleasing, Kev, was that despite all the Bournemouth possession and the, and the pressure, then we ended the game pretty well, I thought. I mean, it wasn't like a back to the walls job because we, we looked a little bit calmer and we did see the ball a little bit more. And we even carved out a chance. I think it was Shea, wasn't it? With the yeah, it was blocked. Yeah, and um, Elianusi then smashed it over, didn't he, on the rebound? But it wasn't as if it was uh, all backs to the wall. Let's defend, get everyone behind the ball because we did we did carve out some chances. Yeah, we, we had the odd chance, but you know, I, I would have freshened it up a bit to be honest. I would have taken Shea off and uh, maybe seen if uh, any other the other players could uh, have a crack yeah tim i, I want to talk about bazunu just a little bit um he made some good saves uh, very good saves um a great one on solanke that was an early one wasn't it one on uh, tavernier excellent shot stopper but um <laughs> he does seem to be the real deal in that respect but when um he spilled one from the corner that could have been oh, so right costly depth, yeah so. That that was terrible. I mean, lucky to get away with that one. I mean, what did you make of him overall and and that howler? He's building confidence as a player, and I think that progression is necessary. And, and keepers need game time. Uh, I know that because I play that position. And to me, uh, I'm very happy to see how he's progressing. Uh, yeah, he did spill that goal, or excuse me, spill that corner kick. Uh, that could have been unlucky and that could have hurt the confidence, but uh, he just misplayed it a little bit and Salisu was in the right position covering and able nice. to clear it. Um, but what was what saved him was he did get his partial uh, hands partially on the ball and where it led to, uh, I think it was Lewis Cook there on the backside. He was be he was beyond the goal about a good three feet. So whether or not he would have been able to get, the, you know, get a kick in straight in um, into the goal, he, I don't believe he did. I think he just had uh, the ability because he was off balance to get it cross goal. 
and Felicia, like I said, right position, right time, and uh, we got lucky there. But I don't think it's overall going to affect his confidence as we saw going into the Arsenal game. No, I'm just just going to put it out there. If that was McCarthy that did that, ooh. <laughs> um, but Bazunu Kev, he had three three shots on his goal and he saved all three of them. Um, what's that percentage? Um, I don't know. You have to tell me. Yeah, that's that's 100%. Um, Bournemouth crossed the ball into the box 14 times and Bazunu stopped one of them. Uh, now I get that that stat can be hugely unreliable because you know the blocks, the the headers out from defenders and stuff like that, etc. But <laughs> that one cross which he spilled was terrible and it's not the first time he's done that this season and all it takes is for one of them to you know to go in and suddenly we're calling for McCarthy again um yeah he had a bit of an, another howler when he um um was playing the ball out from the back and uh, played it straight to Cook uh, I, I just think it's his crossing that he needs to do are we gonna have to start calling him the vampire because he's scared of crosses <laughs> Kev and, and Salisu, uh, I, I don't know if you saw his stats, um, but yeah, solid performance. Uh, 83% pass accuracy, five ground jewels won for 100%, um, four clearances, four tackles, three long balls, uh, one for one aerial jewels won, and an interception, and that one blocked cross with his arm, of course. Um, <laughs> so it was so important that without Bella Kotchap um, and the new partnership that he had to step up, and he did just that, I thought. Scorpion was, was on form. Um, yeah, even with that penalty shout, very solid performance. Stats, Kevin. Do you have any stats? No. No? <laughs> um, I mean, just the regular um, shots we talked about, 15 to 9, their favour. Um, by full time, they'd switched the possession to 53% in their favour. Oh, the L's actually. Um, it's 1.06, and we had 1.26. That's a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's about right, I suppose. A win, three points, clean sheet. First one since the 16th of April. At the relegation zone, little bit of relief. But, I mean, how weird that, you know, we pick up our first clean sheet without arguably our best player, and that's Bella Kocha. Yeah, that's, that's very true. It's just a coincidence, really. Yeah, it's got to be, right? It, it has to be. Yeah, I mean, this is like... Is this the worst team we've played so far this season? Leicester? Yeah, Wolves? Were, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Leeds were quite bad when we played them as well. Yeah. Everton Villa were pretty were, shit Villa, as well. Villa were shocking. No, we, played, we played a lot. Yeah, we played a lot of shit teams and we're still down there. So. I mean, Bournemouth were just a bad team on good form, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, yeah. We've managed to put a dent in their armour. Yeah, indeed. Um, man of the match, then. First clean sheet of the season. Going to Bazunu. Whether or not he did spill the uh, spill the ball there, had issues with his crosses, but his confidence led to an opportunity that uh, he didn't have all season long, and that is a clean sheet. As mentioned, Silly Sue was brilliant. I mean, defended so well, um, took charge, and, and I did question how we'd cope with that new partnership, but I think we did just fine. But for me, I'm going to give it to Shea. I just think, you know, a lovely goal. Um, and if we're going to survive in this league, it's going to be because of his goals. Our plan moving forward has to be his goals and Salisu shutting everything down. Uh, that, and that's exactly what we saw. M- most important players on the field at this point are them two. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought his effort was great. Uh, pressing was fantastic. And, you know, he put in a few good tackles as well. So I'm going to give it to Che. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, no, I just think that there, there's four solid <laughs> candidates in... Um, um, Bazunu first clean sheet. I think you've got to give him plaudits, but uh, yeah, a few mistakes that I think maybe blemish his record slightly for this match. Che, good to see him back back and scoring. Um, Perot was 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 rather good. An excellent cross for that goal. Um, but I'm going to give it to Salisu just off. He's somebody's got to give it to him, right? Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mentioned. I him, want but... it to be that match. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Right then, uh, Arsenal then, going in with that injury crisis at the back, no KWP, AMN couldn't play against his parent club, ABK dislocated shoulder. Um, Obviously with with Tino long-term absentee, uh, so Ralph had to make three changes. Uh, Lianco comes in for KWP, uh, Diallo in for Maitland-Niles, and uh, Ralph did did all he could there, right? No complaints. 
What about Larius? Play him in at left back. Play him at right back. Well, nah, 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 nah. I don't know. No, no complaints for me anyway. And, and you know, changing things up because you had a, the match-winning hero Che Adams. He was replaced by Stuart Armstrong, um, and putting Adam Armstrong up top. Um, what did what did you make of that apart from Larios? Because um, well, well, Adams wasn't quite fit enough for the start, but he just said he wasn't worth the risk. But yeah, I think you know um, he had the full ninety minutes on Wednesday, so resting him, I can understand that. Um, but that leaves us without a, 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 a striker. Well, you got Adam Armstrong. He was playing up. My point still stands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a striker. Um, Tim, we were really, really uh, unsure of what we were going to do in this in terms of formation. And Sky reported before the game that, um, well, they said that the game was kind of like a free hit. They said because Bournemouth went, was the must win, which we did. Um, this was an unexpected loss. So we could go out there and give them everything. And with our you know, unpredictability, who knows? Um, could pose to be dangerous. Plus Man City, you know, putting the pressure back on Arsenal. There was, and well, it is huge expectation on Arsenal, and the, especially the expectant fan base. Yeah, so I originally, I mean, when looking into it, having five at the back was what my interpretation was. Our the starting lineup, though uh, listed for Peacock, said it was five at the back, and Elianusi as that right wing back. Uh, expected I, I, to me, you have three center backs in there, and Lianco is the much more is the most aggressive out of Salisu in DCC. It appears uh, from what we've seen from uh, Chaleta Sar, and I, I mean I liked it. It was what we would needed in terms of hoping to solidify the the, the lineup. Yeah, it was certainly a, a different one, that's for sure. Um, but Kev, we had a pretty bad start. I thought you know it wasn't wasn't looking too good because on the back foot straight away and it looked like it was going to be a long afternoon. Hazy tested Bazunu early on, which turned out to be offside anyway, um, but still made a good save anyway. Uh, Saka, he had a cross that Gabriel just missed. That was scary. Um, the warning signs were there straight away from the off and all of that was inside three minutes. It was so much like the West Ham game again, where you're just giving them too much space, and, and especially in the middle of the park. Yeah, I mean, looking looking at the first 10 minutes of the game, uh, we were getting peppered left and right. It did not look pretty for us. Uh, I did not know what to think about it outside of, wow, okay, well, we're playing the top team in the league, and here we go, uh, expecting another loss. And uh, when you say free hit, well, writing it off, and hopefully get building in uh, what would be a, the lineup with KWP going to be out for some extended period of time and hopefully, you know, get something out of the game, which we did. But then they scored. Shaka. Um, it was coming. You could see that. Um, it was a good cross from, um, I think it was Ben White, wasn't it, who put the cross in um, and managed to pick out the only free Arsenal player in the box. Uh, yeah. Doesn't doesn't Perot get beaten? Uh, quite yeah, I think you were quite critical of... Um, of Perot, actually, when it happened, you were you were watching it at the airport, weren't you? And you said that yeah. Perot looks um looks bad. I, I don't know if you if it was your exact words, but and then when you just watched the highlights back again, you said that yeah, Perot was beaten too easily there. Yeah, I don't know who it was, just sort of shanked from that. Um, it's Ben White. Ben White, yeah. And then get guess that cross off. Ten minutes in. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it was a it was a fucking good hit from Shaka. Shaka Khan. Shaka. Uh, but yeah, I, know, I, I thought it was just going to be a shit show from then on, but uh, it turned out to be a bit, bit of a damp squib, to be honest. Well, yeah. Survived it. Indeed, yeah. And yeah, changed things up. We started to see more of the ball then. and then, But there's always that, that worry that whenever Arsenal had the ball um, and they got into those dangerous areas, they looked threatening every single time. And it, it was, yeah, I, I still thought, you know, this is going to be three, four, the way that Arsenal was started and the way that we are. It's not going to be pretty. And it took us, Tim, 30 minutes to get a touch in the Arsenal box, which is bad, right? And then, but, you know, once we did, the corners kept coming and we were doing more than hanging in there at that point because we weathered that storm. And actually, did you know that from the 30th to the 38th minute, we had 93% possession, which is excellent, right? Yeah, it was. But again, we weren't testing Ramsdale enough, but it was so much better than just dropping off. It's, it's 
you know, it's progress. So if we had uh, 93% possession between the 30th and 38th minute, uh, that's when we probably had four corner kicks in a row, mm, yeah. uh, basically within the few, within a few minute span. So that's why I, that's why I tacked up and any of the dead ball time is still considered our possession. Uh, so you were right though, that we didn't challenge uh, Ramsdale. There was no change in the style of the corner kick itself. Uh, all the, it was basically put it on the edge of the six yard box and hope we can get a scrappy goal and challenge Ramsdale that way. It didn't work out because Gabriel is fantastic in the air and was the centerpiece for stopping all of those uh, corners coming in. Yeah, Kev, there was a moment in this game. I'm not even sure when it was that Elianusi just sort of took over. Um, he was just involved in everywhere and he had that bursting run um, and that tackle on Jesus, which yeah. was match saving. Just like in the middle of the the second half, yeah, that 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 was outstanding. That was like um, Romeo's tackle from yeah. last season. Oh, yeah, I can't remember who that was, was against, against, but yeah, Leeds, if you say so, my memory is not that as good. Yeah, you've just watched this match. But no, the desire to get back from him was was brilliant. Yeah. And actually, Ralph said because I'd questioned Elianusi's inclusion quite a lot over over Stuart Armstrong, and Ralph had said that um, Stuart Armstrong gets in the side because of what he brings when he's on the ball, and Elianusi gets in there because of his work off it. So that was quite evident there. Mm. That's a good good combination. But yeah, I mean that that that, that block on GC, he was one on one with Fazunu and. Um, yeah, I didn't fancy our chances against him. And it doesn't take long for us to get um, a goal in after that. So as we built into the second half, uh, I mean, I think we felt that solid, you know, that solidity that we solidified where we are at and created what was a 50-50 game uh, going, in, going into it. I don't know if there was any true second half adjustments that they made, but I felt that the, there, was two, there was two games. It was the... You know, the first 10 minutes where we looked completely uh, overwhelmed and let in that first goal. But then we uh, settled in and created what was a good fight. And I think the second, like I said, the second half was truly a 50-50 game leading to a, the counterattack goal. Yeah, I think so. The second half performance was excellent. No no complaints whatsoever. It seems weird me not complaining about anything. But but yeah, and the, and the goal, the Stuart Armstrong goal, it was again brilliant from Elianusi. Um, but it was the build-up, not all Elianusi, of course. But, yeah, when he had the ball, you know, held it up quite well. Great little run, well-timed pass, and, and then Stu slotted at home. Mm, and it's worked out, like, just completely from the back for Zunu, um, playing it out quickly to Sidisu on the left. And um, he absolutely launches the ball down the left flank. Um, I, I thought, thought that was a lovely ball, and um, Arriba just sort of steps over to leave it for... Yeah, it just left us looking like a prime Real Madrid. <laughs> We're comparing ourselves to Real Madrid now, yeah. But, I mean, just what a result, though. You could see the relief when the whistle went that all the players were just like, come on. And mm. it was it was great. And there was some great individual performances. And Lianco was great. And from how we started to how we finished, I don't know, Tim, but this draw kind of feels like a win. It, it just it has that feel that, yeah, we can celebrate this. And it's not often that you celebrate quite like we do with a 1-1. And when you think of it, like not many teams have taken points from Arsenal. It's it's rarer than an ungroped ass at the BBC in the 1970s. Any result against the top six team is a win for us. So we should be considering that for, like I said, all, all top six. And this was the first time, second time they dropped points outside of a Manchester United loss. It was the their first draw of the, the season. I'll take it. I'll run with it and say great job because three games in eight days is tough, regardless of whoever the opponents are. Excellent. Excellent second half performance, especially. Kev, do you have any stats? No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. It's just the usual shot. Um, yeah, we had 10 shots to their 12, uh, 41% possession to their 59. Um, of the shots, we had the, both had three on target. Mm-hmm. And uh, the FG was surprisingly low, 0.67 for us and 0.81 for Arsenal. Mm, I would have thought Arsenal would have got 0.81 in the first bloody three minutes, but yeah, it's... Apparently not. 
again, that, that surprises me. Um, another thing, right, four corners for Arsenal and we didn't concede again. <laughs> this is some sort of record, isn't it? When was the last time we conceded from a corner? I'm sure it can't be that long ago. Yeah, I'm sure it can't be that long ago. Kev, summarise. Good result. <laughs> the man of very few words. A great result, I think. Come on, we should be celebrating more. Uh, yeah, I mean, City seemed lost um, after Xhaka uh, scored, but um, yeah, the expected collapse didn't happen, and we seemed to grow grow stronger as the game went on. Really good team goal. Yeah, not not just a scrappy little number, but yeah, nice 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 tidy little goal. Um, so like you said, some great individual performances. Yeah. I never nearly said a clean sheet for Bazuna. I mean, letting in just one goal against Arsenal, that counts as a clean sheet, right? Might as well. well. Yeah, he's certainly getting his save percentage out there. Yeah, Saron to Salisu looked like a decent pair at centre-back. Yeah, I did think um, uh, Shaleta Saar was a bit handsy. Um, Could have given a penalty away. I know Jesus take a dive, but he does look like... It looks like he's got a penalty in him, and that that could be a bit of a worry moving forward. Mm, Yeah. Um, but I mean, just so decided Salisu and Lianco at the best. Oh, time, God, so. yeah, yeah. God, when they play him at the back, all three together, Christ, how many penalties? I, it didn't, didn't he have a, an overhead clearance? Oh, Lianco? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just stumbled on the back of his feet. He had a little bit of skill on that Bournemouth game as well. He did a little Cruyff turn. Hmm. Um, went all over social media as well, which is great. I mean, he is Brazilian after all. Yeah. He's brilliant. Um, but yeah, Tim, what, what a season so far, eh? It's just... It's up and down more more often than a pair of kangaroos in the mating season. Yeah, to me, uh, the, I find these last three games of relief. Uh, I felt that we were able to build in something going forward after what was, what was four losses. Uh, four losses in a row are terrible, especially against when you lose to Villa, who Gerard uh, played terribly, and you can see that they were held back uh, with their win this past weekend. Um, man of the match, Kev. Um, yeah, I, I, this is a bit of an easier one for me. Um, I think I'm going to give it to Juicy Elianusi. Juicy Elianusi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he plays a key part in, in that uh, goal, getting the assist, and um, for that that block on Jesus shows us that he can um, yeah move full the ball, but also yeah get back and defend. Better than Jesus. He's committed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think you know, he's justified. Uh, Ralph keeping it in, despite the criticism the fans really had the knives out from me included. Back. Um, but yeah, he's proven us all wrong. Yeah, um, I, I second that. I'm going to give it to Elliot. I think it's the first time I've ever given a man of the match, but I think mm. he deserved it. I think the reason the game didn't go 2 0 was because of him, and the reason that it went 1 1 was because of him. So, yeah, amazing performance. And to my memory, I think that's his best performance in a Saints shirt, uh, certainly in my opinion, anyway. Um, Tim, man of the match for you? Yeah, uh, I got to give it to Elianusi. And I, I mean, I think that uh, I've always felt that Elianusi, while you think of him as a winger or you think of him as an attacker, uh, his defense is uh, is one of his strongest plays. And that's why I think that Ralph said to him, said at the end of the game, he's all over the place. He can, we can put him anywhere. And the issues that we see have seen with him are the lack of goal scoring prowess. So if you're putting him in a right wing back position or more of a defensive role, you saw him play his heart out. He did not stop. And that Jesus, uh, you know, that Jesus track back was a goal, effectively a goal swing, you know, swinging opportunity. Lanco just wrapped up and I'm surprised he didn't get a, a yellow card there. And Elianusi took it and ran with it. So, um, Props to him. Thank you for what you're able to progress. And, you know, the playoff to Armstrong was beautiful. We didn't, it doesn't look like, that did not look like a goal that Southampton had. Normally it's a scrappy one. It might be uh, just a simple kick within the six yard or a lucky chance that Adams got like in the Bournemouth game. Oh, uh, to me, <laughs> yeah, a Prousey free kick, which we haven't seen yet this season yet, but I don't think there was more than a couple opportunities. Um, but, uh, Congrats to him. Thank you for everything you've done. And hopefully it deflects any pressure off of you uh, by the fans and uh, keep it keep it up. Do, do, do you think we've got a solution here to our right back conundrum? Then? I think that Lianco as a right back is great for uh, what would be uh, defense, you know, for uh, our, our, for an arsenal. Now we play against and we go against Crystal Palace. Well, what we saw was 
Perot progressing forward a ton. And that's why we we saw Ben White uh, beat him because Perot was farther upfield than where he normally would have been. And we did not see Lianco really press forward unless there was nobody on that side of the field with that uh, fourth or fifth minute, uh, you know, crossover and him taking a shot from probably 30, 35 yards out. Uh, so is it, is it going to be worth it? I think that it's the best solution we have, whether or not it's the right one. I don't think there's any other option to me and hopefully it gives the confidence and that we can do it again. And I expect the same four back four in the next game. I think Ralph had said that he, he felt more comfortable when Lianco was running through the center um, than he was out on the right, especially with the ball. So I don't know. I don't know if we will see him back out there, if, I, if I'm being honest. But um, we go to Crystal Palace anyway next um, Saturday, the 29th of October. Another game in October. Very, very busy month. Um, and that's three o'clock uh, at Selhurst Park. Um, biggest wins against the opponent. We had a 4-1 win in 1958. We had a 3-1 win on Boxing Day 2014. Uh, and of course, the FA Cup semi-final in 1976. One of the most important games in our history. Technically, it was at Stamford Bridge, but it was away from the Dow anyway. So um, last five against them at Sellers Park, we had a 2-2, a 1-0 loss, a 2-0 win, a 2-0 win and a 1-0 win. So quite a good record at Sellers Park. For some reason, I thought it was worse than that. I don't, I don't think we like to, to play well there, but we've won the last three there. Um, so, yeah, 10 points from a possible 15, which is good. Um, and the head-to-head, we've won 48 to Palace's 41, and we've drawn 25 of them. Tim, Palace a bit up and down again, but, I mean, they lost at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, and, I, I mean, I think they are a mid-table team where we should be considering ourselves and continue to play like a mid-table team. And going in, we need to get as much opportunity as we can in a 50, what I would consider a close to, if not 50-50 matchup and press forward and get those chances and be creative and stop Zaha. So going into the game itself, Crystal Palace has been playing uh, hot and cold. Uh, they've had different matchups where they've been able to progress and play extremely well. And then they fell flat on their tail. So looking at it, and actually they did win. They beat Wolves this past week there. Um, but a draw against Leicester, who hasn't been well, a win against Leeds, and uh, a, beat, a beat from Chelsea. So to me, uh, you know, who are we going to see? What are the opportunities? And Patrick Vieira, uh, let's hope the matchups are ever in our favor. So, you know, what are we looking at? What's their matchup going to be? Uh, their lineups really are... Uh, hit, I mean, I won't say hit and miss, but the biggest uh, injury that they had is Nathaniel Klein. So their right back has been filled in by Tyreek Mitchell, which he's more of a traditional right, uh, right back. Uh, or so he's you know so he's played over the left side. Joel Scary Ward. quick he is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's super quick. So um, they've had the traditional center back pairing outside of a quick uh, injury from Anderson is Gwehi, uh, Gwehi and Anderson. Joel Ward is older, uh, doesn't have the, qu- the quick pace on him. Can't mention Joel Ward on this podcast. He's an ex-skate. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, like skates, they aren't sharp. So uh, let's hope he is playing less than what a traditional sharp person would be. Uh, so Milivojevic, they've got, and then they've got some flair in the, the attack. Uh, they've got Eze, they've got Elise and Zaha. So, you know, what are we looking at? Uh, probably like a 4-1, 4-1 matchup. To, uh, and that was what uh, it looked like uh, Arsenal played against us. And I think there was a lot more maybe attacking, 4-2, 3-1. But it was listed as a 4-1-4-1. Uh, so for us, what is the matchup? What are we looking at? Uh, you're, you're right. What, the questions that we have about Lianco, is he our right back? Uh, is he going to be slotted more center? Are we going to put Elianusi at right wing back? I think we should do it. And I think that um, it worked out well for us. And I don't know any other best solutions. And I don't think Larios is the best thing at right back. I don't want to... Well, actually, if we ran a back four of Perot, Salisu, DCC, and Larios, all four are left-footed primary players. I have never in my entire life seen and watched a soccer game that 
has all four lefties in in a back four. That would be really, really scary. Um, I don't think it would work. So I think AMN is going to come in back in center mid, uh, JWP. And then who knows with the rotation up top. Uh, Adam Armstrong's been playing like crap. Uh, I don't, you know, who do you, who do you think? You know, is Stu going to come in, play the 10? Arebo has been kind of a lock-in when it comes to playing. And Adams, as long as his injury hasn't affected him, uh, he'll, he'll definitely be starting. So I, I think I he's think... going to go four at the back, Tim. I think he's going to play Maitland-Niles at right back, and Diallo's going to step into the center mid. I, and I think that would, uh, while I think that was probably the ideal formation, I think they're, they're going to take the continuity. Mm. Um, but I want, whether it's not going to happen, is a dozy starting. I want a dozy. Yeah, start. me too. I think when he came on against Arsenal, he looked good. He looks mm-hmm. very good. Yeah, so then if you have Elianusi playing in the front three alongside uh, Aribo and then Adozi, um, Aribo's got... Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, uh, obviously. <laughs> yeah, uh, he. Well, I think that's where you allow Elianusi to sit back maybe a little bit more, and mm-hmm. then you create the... I, I don't know if you want to call it a Christmas tree with the 4-3-2-1, but Elianusi then um, sitting in the center of JWP and Diallo, who can sit back a little bit more, and then Rebo, who is going to be the bruiser, and then Adozi with the flare, and then Adams for any long balls to drop off to Adozi, because when he came on, I mean, one of the things that I saw from him was while he's going forward, he did lose possession, but in the midfield, he recognized that the possession was needed and he dribbled out and was able to create, use his flair uh, for that to hold and to hold possession when they truly needed it. So please start him. I think he deserves a shout. And I think Crystal Palace is the right team to do it because if he's in the left wing or the left uh, midfield position, Joel Ward is somebody he can beat. Do you know what, Tim? I haven't even thought about the predictions on this because I was waiting for your preview um, and then I was going to make my decision up from that. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, I thought we had a really bad record at Selhurst Park, um, but it sounds like we don't. So I'm, I can't, I honestly can't see us winning there, but I can't see us losing either. I think we're going to continue to score and I think it's going to be exactly the same as it was in the Arsenal game. Um, I'm going to go for a 1-1. Um, okay, yeah. I, I don't see any reason why we can't continue our non-losing streak. So, um, <laughs> unbeaten run. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a Saints win. I think we can probably Ooh. rack another one up at Selhurst at uh, 2-1. Oh, let's hope. Let's hope. And and Tim, I'm, I'm intrigued about this. Yeah, um, I think this is the last result we'll get in the league before the end of the season. Uh, I want a 2-2 draw. Well, I don't want a 2-2 draw, but I, I predict a 2-2 draw and a Dozie's first goal, um, whether it be off the bench or starting, which I really, truly hope for. Um, because well, the re- remaining three games of Newcastle, Sheffield Wednesday, and Liverpool, uh, I think we'll beat Wednesday, uh, but Newcastle and Liverpool are going to be really tough. So let's get some points before we go into the end of the season or the end of the uh, uh, last few games before the winter break. Yep. Um, Super six then. We've had two two rounds. Round 15 was won by Tom Hennigan on 17 points. Round 16 was won by John Takeen, um, leaving the overall lead to Kevin Jewell on 175. Kevin, are you ready for fantasy football? Um, quite tellingly, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the pre- we, had, we had two gaming weeks this week. And for the previous one, I mean, I know that, yeah, City and, um, fuck me, who else weren't playing? Arsenal weren't playing, were they? Um, no. Um, yeah, I had three players from each team, so I had to keep reminding myself to, to definitely do that free hit for this week. And um, I only remembered three minutes after the deadline, so I completely fucked up my team. <laughs> I only got 28 points that week. Yeah, this week, <laughs> a similar situation. But this time I remembered a few minutes before the deadline. And just as the deadline was about to to drop, um, I accidentally swapped out Haaland. Which would have killed <laughs> like you team. do, yeah. I <laughs> uh, managed to swap him in back in, but um, didn't manage to give him back the captaincy on time. So I have Ben Mee as a captain who scored fuck all. So, um, you gotta love it. Yeah, I've, you know, from my brilliant start to the season, I've had a, a, 
of comedy of errors this week. Um, somehow I'm still top of our podcasters league. I don't imagine that will last particularly long. Uh, um, you're not far behind me, right? Like, uh, yeah, I'm on 7.33, you're on 7.14. Uh, Tim's like a little bit behind on 6.64. I've dropped way down uh, the... That's a shame, because you were like yeah. third, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, One bad week, and that's all it takes. Yeah, Lucy Hynat, she's been taken off the top by uh, Chris Ambridge with his um, Ambazino team. Uh, only three points in it between them. The, everyone else is quite far behind. Uh, yeah, I've dropped way down to 17th. So yeah, I need to buck my ideas up. Well, the good news is, Kev, there's plenty of time. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Yes. Okay. So I have got a where am I for you, but again, you cannot look at my screen. So stop trying to. I'm not. Trying Kevin, to stop looking. So I'm joking. <laughs> He's not looking. Like usual, you get a free guess on your first clue. Um. Okay. So don't look at my screen. Okay. Clue number one for five points. This stadium is located 242 miles from St Mary's. Put your map away, Kevin. No, he hasn't. Again, I'm just jesting. Miles from um, in the out of, of that. Lancashire Yorkshire band, isn't it? Tim? Let's go with Swansea City. Okay, Tim's going Swansea. I'm going to go up north, say Morecambe. Ooh, no. 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 Okay, clue two for four points. This is located 20 miles north of Old Trafford. Salford City. You're going to have a guess or do you want another clue? If I, if I guess, then... You're out. I'm yeah. out, yeah. No, I'm going to leave it. Okay. I've got a few options. Okay, clue three for three points. Currently competing in League Two oh. and have the record for staying in the bottom division for the longest time. From 1974 to 2010, they completed, competed in the bottom division. That's incredible. That's amazing, really, isn't it? Just been in League Two, all the equivalent, Division Three as it was, from 1974 to 2010. I'm going to have a guess, and I don't care if I get it wrong. Okay. Accrington Stanley. It is not Accrington ah. Stanley. Who are they? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, Tim, have you got another guess? The only other teams I can think of outside of Accrington is Oldham or... Oh, let's go with Bolton Wanderers. Okay. Okay. Clue four, the two points, Kevin. You're not going to get these points, but I'm going to read them anyway. Situated at the foot of the South Pennines and have rivalries with Oldham, Burnley, Halifax and Stockport. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Nicknamed the Dow, sat on the Dow, on the River Roch, with a capacity of over 10,000. I am at... And Summer State. (laughs) It's well, it's the Spotland Stadium, but they are for sponsorship reasons. They are the answer. No, they're not answer. They are Crown Oil Arena. It's an arena. Yeah. Okay. Um, unlucky care, but a good guess nevertheless. Yes. Okay. So next week, then we will go through that Crystal Palace game, uh, and we shall preview the Newcastle game, which takes place on Sunday the sixth of November. And we also have to award our uh, Player and Goal of the Month for October. So yeah. Until next week, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up Southampton. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.